Have you ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Or maybe what they use to keep their skin looking so flawless? Well, even if I don't know these answers, I can tell you something equally as interesting and unicorn related. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams, boosting leads and ramping sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. I'll admit it does sound a little too good to be true. But unlike that majestic and also incredibly fictitious unicorn, HubSpot for Startups is all real. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit HubSpot.com startups. Happy March, everyone. It's Friday, March 1st. I'm John Weigel here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla, and this is The Hustle Daily Show. A failed attempt at an immersive Willy Wonka experience in Scotland has gone viral lately. Families were expecting a magical time as depicted in the AI-generated ads for this experience, but they got something completely different. So how bad was it? And have we seen something like this before? We'll chat about all that in a bit, but first, let's give you the hits and headlines today across business and tech. Starting us off here, Oprah Winfrey, a Weight Watchers board member since 2015, is leaving the company and donating all of her stock. That's nice of her. In response to the announcement, Weight Watchers shares were down 25% in Thursday's pre-market trading. That's not so nice, I guess. Next up, OnlyFans CEO Kelly Blair told the Financial Times that the still-growing platform has paid $15 billion to creators since launching in 2016. Next, if you're into cyberpunk, Apple TV Plus ordered a TV adaption of William Gibson's 1984 novel Neuromancer, a highly influential work in the genre, and I expect the synths to be synthing for that. Juliet, I heard you picked up a copy of this recently, huh? I bought it an hour before Apple was like, we're making it into a TV show, which is <laughs> so great. So you got a copy before they slapped the label on it? This is an Apple TV Plus show? Yes, I'm certain that like probably on my way home, the store clerks were like putting it out, being like, watch the new Apple series, (laughs) Neuromancer. That's good. But I'd read it when I was a kid and remember very little about it, except it keeps popping up in my brain because I don't know, just all this stuff about like Neuralink and like weird cybernetic implants. And I've been saying for like the past month, I'm like, I should reread that Neuromancer book. And then literally the other day, right before Apple was like, we're going to make this a TV show. I was walking past the bookstore and I was like, I'm going to get a copy of their book. And they had three copies and they're going to have to, I assume, order a lot more now. Oh, probably. Like I remember when I picked up the first trilogy of Asimov's The Foundation. Mm. Oh my God. Stickers galore. We're talking Apple TV plus series sticker on every single copy of this book. I think Apple's kind of crushing it with the sci-fi. I feel like that's where it's really making its big splash. You know, HBO had the big fantasy epic. Amazon tried to do the big fantasy epic. I feel like Apple's doing really well with the sci-fi. They are. They're picking a lane and sticking to it. And I Mm -hmm. I think the more sci-fi, the better personally. Me too. Next, The Intercept, Raw Story, and Alternet are all suing Microsoft and OpenAI, alleging that ChatGPT regurgitated their stories without attribution on their platform. Meanwhile, OpenAI asked a judge to dismiss a similar lawsuit from the New York Times, accusing the news organization of hacking ChatGPT to intentionally generate copyright infringement, which is just an insane declaration. We'll see how that plays out. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm curious because I mean, I guess, yes, so we've seen cases where somebody has like repeatedly rephrased a question and prompts to make ChatGPT do something that it otherwise wouldn't do, like instruct you how to build a bomb, which it's not supposed to do. But if you pester it enough and ask in myriad ways, it'll eventually do it. So I'm very curious to see how this pans out. Yeah, same. All right, off to our big story. Our big story today is about the attempted immersive experience cash grab at Willie's Chocolate Experience in Glasgow, Scotland. AI played a big part in advertising this activation and the organizers didn't exactly deliver on any of it. Juliet, what's the deal with this so-called immersive experience that people got treated to? This is probably my favorite story right now. People shelled out the equivalent of 45 US dollars per ticket to go to what they thought was going to be this fantastical, interactive, candy-themed experience. And much like Willy Wonka says, nothing. They got nothing, <laughs> as it turned out. As far as I can tell, looking at the photos... Willie's Chocolate Experience in Glasgow, which was by no means like a licensed or official Willy Wonka branded thing. Like they did not get permission from Warner Brothers. Mm. As far as I can tell, it was a warehouse and there were some decorations in it, but it was mostly empty. One of the craziest things I saw was just like one of these, I guess, probably AI generated pictures. It looked kind of like the board game Candyland. It was very whimsical. Right. And it was just mm. like, not even nicely taped to a wall. No. And I... <laughs> this thing, I mean, <laughs> if don't anybody has had a chance to look at these images of this, it is just the most depressing looking. It's like if you gave me $50 to Party City and asked me to make Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, that's what this is. Yes. And then, you know, they had said that there would be, I think it was like a paradise of sweet treats. There was some talk of a chocolate fountain, like a chocolate fondue thing. I don't know. But one parent said his child received two jelly beans and a half cup of lemonade. That was oh the um, paradise of sweets. <laughs> so. Wow. And the so-called chocolate fountain, as I've seen, is this just separated blue pipe that is not connected to anything and does not spew yeah, anything. No, no chocolate to be seen. No, none. Very depressing for the mm -hmm. families that went to this, I imagine. But even more depressing, I feel like, as a statement of that somebody could possibly get away with this in the future. They didn't, but maybe somebody else could possibly do this. Yeah, I think people are a little more discerning now that they have social media to complain on. This certainly has seemed to be a viral moment for some of the actors who were roped into participating one of them who was, I guess he was hired to play Willie McDuff or something because they couldn't say Willy Wonka. So it was like a fake name. Good. He was saying that the script seemed to be 14 pages of AI generated nonsense. And at one point he had to tell the children about an evil chocolate maker that lived in the walls. And I read the script. It's on Gizmodo. The chocolate maker was after Willie's anti-graffiti gobstopper, which was apparently a candy that could clean things up. I'm guessing like in a Mary Poppins way. The evil chocolate maker's name was the unknown man or something. And he was supposed to like vacuum him out of the walls with a vacuum cleaner, which was not there. Like, I guess the actor was like, hey, where's this vacuum cleaner? And they're like, we don't we don't have one. So just improv. I don't know. Like the whole thing just sounded ridiculous. But I love how the actors who are probably, let's be real, not going to get paid for their work are just like getting interviews on Good Morning America. <laughs> God, I love that. Petition to make this actor the head of Willy Wonka movie instead of Timothy Chalamet. Honestly, yeah. get him in there. <laughs> Yes. That is insane. But the thing about this, too, is I feel like something like this has occurred before, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. Maybe not to this extent with the AI-generated images kind of influencing people, but has this happened before in other, quote, immersive experiences? 
So before the pandemic, before I worked at the hustle, I did do a lot of like local arts and entertainment coverage in Los Angeles. And basically after the Museum of Ice Cream opened, I think maybe in San Francisco was the first place that ever showed San Francisco or New York. That was so wildly successful with all these themed rooms where people could take pictures and you could bring your kids. You actually did get ice cream. That's good. So that was a plus. It wasn't two jelly beans and a half cup of lemonade. You did get ice cream. (laughs) It was so popular that all of a sudden, you know, you started seeing everybody trying to do these really Instagrammable immersive experiences where you would have people come in and essentially explore a bunch of rooms or themed environments. And they were kind of a mixed bag then. Some of them, and I think you'll see this a lot with like the meow wolves of the space, have narrative experiences that go along with them. So like, for example, if you go to meow wolf in Las Vegas, it's a grocery store. You can take pictures in the grocery store. They have all sorts of wacky products. And then I think you open a freezer door and you kind of go into this magical world. Everything is themed. It looks really cool. And if you feel like it, you can follow a narrative experience and kind of uncover the story that's happening here. Or if you don't want to, you can wear cute outfits and you can take pictures and and not engage with any of that and put it on your TikTok. You can make it into an Instagram museum or I think they would call them selfie palaces if you want. But there's also a deeper level there. And some of them, even if they didn't really have a, a particular narrative to follow or there were no games or puzzles, they were at least interactive or they looked really cool. I remember I went to one that was just called I Like Scary Movies, and it was this guy's love letter to all the horror movies he loved. He did get permission from the studios to build them, and every room looked really cool. Wow. Like, it was actually a really great art installation. Really cool. Then I also noticed Uh-oh. during the same period of time that there were people who did not want to put any art or narrative or even seemingly think about it. They just wanted to charge people $40 to come into a warehouse that had some themed environments. And I saw things that were pretty on par with how bad the Wonka experience seemed to be, or or I should say the officially not Wonka experience should be. I went to one called Egg House once that was all about eggs. (laughs) And I didn't even write about it, you know? And for me to not write about something as a freelancer means like I am giving up money to not write this story. It was just that unremarkable. (laughs) (laughs) It was horrible. I think later when it went to another city, they like had some sort of narrative about an egg character. But there was an installation that looked like they had just cut pool noodles in half and like glued them to opposite sides of the walls like you were standing in a car wash. I don't really understand it. It was very sparse. There were people that were uh, spending 30 minutes getting the perfect photo in a ball pit of some kind. They all had ball pits for some reason. Mm -hmm. Every single one of these things had a ball pit, I think because the Museum of Ice Cream had a sprinkles pit. And then there weren't just people trying to make money off of the experiences. There was a lot of that, but there were also a lot of brands. Like every brand all of a sudden was like, I need to have an immersive experience too. And I went to a Jack in the Box one that was promoting its new chicken strip. And that was probably one of the sadder ones I'd ever seen. It had a ball pit. It was maybe half full of pieces of foam that were supposed to be chicken nuggets. Wow. (laughs) It did have like an ASMR room where you could watch videos of people slowly eating chicken strips. And it also had a room where it had perfume that smelled like ranch dressing, (laughs) I recall. The only thing I'm learning from all this is that I really need to ramp up my immersive experience times because Mm -hmm. I haven't gone to nearly as many as you have. 
it was kind of the same thing where you wouldn't see AI generated photos, but you would see renderings and then you mm. get there and the space didn't look like that. Right. Or you would see a photo that was very cropped to show just like one tiny piece of the experience. And then when you would get there, there was like nothing there. Right. We've all seen that one big picture of the nice selfie wall with the glowy letters on it and kind of nothing else around it. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I guess the ability for people to kind of quote fake how impressive their experiences are is only enhanced with AI. And I, I think it's allowing a little more laziness to kind of seep in there, mm -hmm. it seems like. Oh, yeah. And I think we're going to see a ton of this. This event organizer, I guess the company is called House of Illuminati or something. The guy who owns it. I was reading in Rolling Stone that he has apparently self-published several novels on Amazon. And they put them through the software tool that tells you if it thinks that it was probably generated mm. with AI. And so it seems like, yes, he is generating books. His bio, he didn't even write. <laughs> He is generating artwork that doesn't exist. It's not even a rendering. It's not even this is what we're going to build. It's this is what AI thinks that a candy magic land would look like. It's not going to look anything like this, by the way. Seems like the copy on his website was AI generated. It seems like the 14 page script that they asked actors to memorize that had an evil wall drilling chocolate thief was AI generated. And that's why it made literally no sense. So it seems like before you at least had to like come up with a half-baked idea, sort of, and try to execute it. And now you just have to tell AI to come up with it for you and then maybe execute it. This is such a fascinating example of the new age of AI entrepreneurs. Right. This is very interesting. And I feel like we have not seen even the surface of <laughs> what else is going to come because of this, I'm right. sure. Because there is a world in which I think AI could be used to help people who are experienced event producers come up with new ideas, maybe generate a mood board. Sure. And maybe even, yeah, help with website copy or stuff like that or costume ideas. But the point is that you need a human to come in and actually refine these ideas so that the script makes sense. And so that the images are something that you can fabricate and then actually come in and do that work right. before right. you become the fire Festival of Immersive Experiences guy with everyone making fun of you on TikTok. And I guess that's what this guy's new brand is. So that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be looking out for this in the near future, in New York, especially. Mm hmm All right, and that'll do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email. And we'll catch you next week. Hey, everybody, let me tell you about this great podcast that's available right now. Creator Science, hosted by Jay Klaus, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, which is the audio destination for business professionals. Creator Science goes behind the scenes with today's top creators. Through narrative interviews, Jay Klaus explores how creators like Tim Urban, James Clear, Tori Dunlap, and Cody Sanchez are building their audiences today. And by learning how these creators make a living with their art and creativity, Creator Science can help you gain tools and confidence to do exactly the same. 
I was actually listening to an episode recently where Jay had on Dr. K, who is a Harvard psychiatrist. And Dr. K helps a lot of creators with performance, burnout, and dealing with a lot of negative feedback online. It's a great hour of conversation with Dr. K, where Dr. K really breaks down what it means to be a creator today and the burnout that a lot of creators do experience and what to do when you get that burnout, because you will. And you can listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts, and I definitely suggest it. Listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts.